Welcome to your found family podcast where we don't just have a heart to heart, we connect soul to soul. I'm your host, Lizzie, a certified coaching practitioner who found family outside of blood family. In our found family, you are accepted and assured that you are not alone. Subscribe and tune in for educational and empowering soul chats with women from all over the world, talking about well-being, personal growth and development, and mental and emotional health. Today, we're going to be talking about step one to unlock your brain. And step one, according to the book called Brain Lock, is to relabel. So the quote to remember about step one, relabel, it's not me, it's my OCD. And this helps answer the question, what are those bothersome, intrusive thoughts? Now, for those of us who do suffer with obsessive compulsive disorder, this will make lots of sense to you because I'm sure you've asked yourself this question a million times, a million times, a million times, a million, right? Why am I thinking the same thought over and over again? Why do I keep having these intrusive thoughts? What does this mean? Am I crazy? Does anyone else think this way? There are so many moments where we just sit there ruminating over and over and over again the same thought. So to start off, I wanted to reference someone in the book who was used as an example who has been going to the therapy and has gone through all four steps to unlock her brain. And this is the story of someone named Carla, who is a beautician, who became so obsessed with the idea that she was going to harm her infant daughter that she considered giving her up for adoption. This, by the way, is on page 36 of the book. So that way, if you have a copy or if you're interested in buying yourself a copy, this is where you can find this story. So lo and behold, um, Carla, who was first misdiagnosed as having severe postpartum depression, would suffer panic attacks, um, severe panic attacks, and thoughts that she was going to kill the baby. Um, And they were so severe that she couldn't even look at a pair of scissors. And she says this, quote, It was like watching a movie where you almost put yourself into that screen and you think, oh God, am I capable of committing such an act? I was fighting this every day, all day. So, end quote. Want to properly quote Carla over here. So again, it's this intrusive thought. And for those of us who have suffered from panic attacks, especially when harm OCD is so much at the forefront of these intrusive thoughts, looking at a pair of scissors, looking at a knife, looking at a picture of a gun, or you know, if you know someone who owns a gun, looking at the gun and just having these intrusive thoughts of like, am I going to hurt myself? Am I going to hurt someone else? Because these intrusive thoughts come as these flashes, these images that are so vivid that you think to yourself, oh my God, like, why did I just think that? Why in the world would I have such a thought? I would never do something like that. And so, you know, she said that it was so bad that she thought of taking her own life to spare her daughter's life. So going back to the book on page 37, it says, Carla describes OCD as a tumbleweed that picks up more and more nonsensical thoughts as it rolls along. But in treatment, she has learned to separate herself from those thoughts. Mindful awareness, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and the ability to relabel arise in a flash to the prepared mind. 
So let's talk about this. For Carla, again, these types of panic attacks and intrusive thoughts, especially from the harm OCD subset of OCD, I have personally experienced these thoughts and in connecting with people on Twitter, I have also learned that there are others who also suffer from these harm OCD intrusive thoughts. So what can we do about them? The first step is to relabel. Remember the quote, it's not me, it's OCD. So firstly, a couple of important things to remember. Again, this entire first step is giving us the knowledge to call these thoughts what they really are, obsessions and compulsions. So we are making a conscious effort to stay grounded in reality and we are striving to avoid being tricked into thinking that the feeling is real because guess what? It's not. Every time we are having these intrusive thoughts, every time we are having these flashes, these vivid images of doing something horrible to ourselves, to someone else, there are literally parts of our brain that are connected to these false messages that the brain is sending out. And that's why it feels real. That's why sometimes it's really challenging to figure out what is OCD and what is reality. And that line is oftentimes blurred. It talks later in the book, so I'm jumping a little bit ahead, that people with OCD who have these intrusive thoughts know that they would never act upon these thoughts and people with OCD don't act on these thoughts because, again, it's it's a feeling like, oh my God, this, this feels so real, like, what the fuck? Like, why am I thinking like this? This is so scary. And that in and of itself, that stress heightens the OCD anxieties. But again, remember that it is just the brain that is sending false messages. Obsessions are not reality. They are fears. And this segues into a really important part of the book that I that I saw. And all of these facts, by the way, are directly coming from the Brain Lock book. So these are not my words. These are not my um, like pieces of information. I'm adding in certain things to complement these bullet points, but uh, they are coming from the book. So I just want to quote that as a disclaimer. I am adding in my own um, personal experiences and then using the book as a guide to provide more of the scientific explanations and uh, use the examples from the book. So in the book, it says again that obsessions are not reality. They're fears because of someone else described in the book. It's something that seems so horrific and unbelievable, right? That's what triggers the anxiety and that is what really heightens that's that level of stress that in Carla's case, when she said, oh God, am I capable of committing such an act? And it was something that she was fighting every single day. It's because when we have these intrusive thoughts and we start getting fearful, like, oh my God, that's so horrible. That's so horrific. That's so unbelievable. It like strikes us with fear. And then we spend hours and hours and hours, sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years obsessing over this thought and ruminating about the same question and it's so exhausting like again that is 
my goal with with being able to share this book club with you guys is really helping to break the stigma of OCD. It's not this glamorized like, oh, I'm clean. I like to have things tidy. My desk is neat. It's like, no, it is literally a devil demon thought like voice that's just screaming in your mind. These horrible, horrible fears. And it's triggering your anxiety. It is triggering your stress. You think you're a horrible person. You think, you know, especially when religion is thrown into the mix, you think that God doesn't love you. You think that you're going to hell for thinking such horrible thoughts. And then you start self-loathing. You literally start hating yourself because in these attempts of trying to combat these obsessions, every time that we have this thought like, you know, oh my God, I... I feel like I'm going to hurt my boyfriend or my friend or my spouse or my child, then the compulsion is trying to offset that stress, trying to tell yourself, okay, so if I pray seven times in a row and say the specific thing, then I'm going to save this person's life, right? Like there's another example in the book about a plane crash and it says, um, you know, if you do something like a plane is not going to crash or or rather a plane is going to crash if I um, don't do this enough times, right? And we have to talk back to our OCD and I'm, I'm going to go into that in, in further detail when I help explain from the book how to use the relabeling. But my point here and why I'm spending so much time on this bullet point is because we tr- we create compulsions in an effort to try to stop thinking the obsession. And this, again, was true for me, especially with scrupulosity, that every time that I looked at the number six, I thought it was the devil number. I thought it was, you know, this horrible thing. And I said, oh, my God, if I don't rebuke the devil and pray over myself and plead the blood of Jesus on me, If I keep looking at this number six, my family is going to, you know, something bad is going to happen to my family or I'm going to be cursed or, you know, something horrible is going to happen to me too. And I wouldn't even want to talk about these things because I believed that if I talked about them, they would also happen. So it was this spiral. So in an effort to make that stress go down and in an effort to calm these obsessions in my mind, because they would, they would literally consume me for like hours and hours and hours, so much so to the point that I couldn't focus on what I was doing in a day. And that affected my friendships, my relationships, my work relationships, everything. Because you spend so much time in your head. You're spending so much time getting yelled at by this demon voice in your head that is just pumping so much fear and so much uncertainty to the point where, again, you get to a place of self-loathing. I got to a place very similar to Carla, where I had suicidal thoughts. And it's also breaking the stigma about how people say that, you know, people who take their own lives are, it's like a selfish act and things like that. I mean, there's there's so many other things about that topic. And sorry if this is triggering, but I feel like that's a whole topic in and of itself. My uncle, for those of you who've been following me on Twitter and saw my YouTube video when I was talking about this on um, like suicide awareness, um, day, my uncle took his life. And as someone who 
has suffered from obsessive compulsive disorder for years and who has had suicidal thoughts in those peak moments of when stress was absolutely heightening the OCD anxieties, I understand from that state of mind how like taking your own life is like the only way that you can get out of thinking about, you know, like it's, it's almost like in that state of mind, you're thinking to yourself, if I take my life, it's the only way that I can stop the noise in my head. And it's the only way that I can spare other people's lives. Because if you're obsessing and thinking, oh my God, like I'm going to hurt someone and you know that you wouldn't, but you wonder like, well, could I? Similar to Carla when she was like, she thought of taking her own life to spare her daughter's life. Sometimes that's the only way that the OCD can rationalize by, again, giving you false messages and fear that you think in that state that that could be a solution. And again, I am here to tell you that it is a lie. These are intrusive thoughts. These are the brain sending false messages because you have a chemical imbalance. This is literally, your thoughts and urges are symptoms of OCD, which is a medical disease. Again, this is a direct quote from the book. Your thoughts and urges are symptoms of OCD. It is a medical disease. I cannot tell you how many times it says in this book that it is a medical disease. Period. End of story. Our brains are locked and these four steps help us to unlock our brains. And it it has shown in, I'm already done reading like about the four steps and that's why I'm going to go through all of them and take very, very, very specific time and attention for each episode to break down the steps because there's so much to talk about for each individual step that I wanted to really dedicate each episode to each step. So not to jump too far ahead, but really, again, this book is teaching you the way that you can become your own therapist and the way that you can unlock your brain, relieve yourself of stress, and begin your recovery journey, which recovery is possible. So other important things to remember is what they said here is the struggle isn't to make the feeling go away. It's not to give into the feeling. And so again, these steps are going to help you manage your fears because you can fight back. So that was really heavy. So let me just take a moment right now, because if you're listening to this, your palms are probably sweating. You probably were triggered. Your heart rate might be racing, like your heart rate probably started going. Just take a moment right now. Do this with me because even just going through this, I'm like feeling triggered. So I'm just going to do this with you right now. Okay, ready? Deep breath in. Count to five when you breathe in. So one, two, three, four, five. (sighs) Exhale. And do that like three times right now. As you breathe in, hold it in for five seconds. Exhale for five seconds. Okay, that feels good. So how to use Relabel. This step right here is going to increase your insight. Again, 
this step helps us to know without a shadow of a doubt that it is OCD. So step number one, keep in mind to call it what it is, the enemy that it really is. So step one in relabeling is just that, going back to the beginning. It's not me, it's my OCD. When you are able to get to a place that you can call it what it is, which is OCD, a medical disease, that gives you already a peace of mind because you know that these thoughts are not your own. You know that you are not your thoughts. And this is also why on Twitter, I have that hashtag, I am stronger than my thoughts. And I've used that on my personal one because my personal is um, at Elizabeth Vibes. And I've used this hashtag because you are stronger than your thoughts. And maybe we should start another hashtag. Hashtag these, I am not my thoughts. Let's start that one. I'm going to use that for, for this podcast episode. Hashtag I am not my thoughts because you're not. You're not this like what you might be calling yourself horrible or, um, you know, unlovable or, you know, whatever it is that you're calling yourself, whatever it is, this lie that your OCD is telling you, these false messages that it's giving you and trying so hard to make you believe it. You're just sitting there and listening to it and you're believing it because it's telling you the same thing over and over and over again. It's telling you the same fucking message every single day. And sometimes it's, you know, when you hear the same lie being told over and over again, you do start to wonder, well, is this the truth? If I'm hearing this over and over and over again, maybe this is truth. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, none of what you are telling yourself, all of these like horrible things, this self-doubt, this self-loathing, not true. False messages from the brain. So number two is to talk back to your OCD. Going back to that plane example, this again is a, the quote from the book. This person was telling himself as he was talking back to his OCD, you know, a plane is not going to crash because I didn't blank. So I filled it in with my own words and said, you know, a plane is not going to crash because I didn't pray the right way. Your OCD will say, oh, yes, it will. Oh, like, fuck yeah. That plane is definitely going to crash if you, didn't, if you don't do this thing. And that fear is going to creep in. That the OCD is going to, to fuel your fear. But you know the truth. You know that that plane is not, you know, determined on, like, it, your, if, you know, your um, compulsion, insert here. So for me, again, with the scrupulosity, it was like, how many times I prayed, if I prayed the right way, etc. So for me, my compulsion was not going to determine the fate of the plane. There is no correlation. That's what I'm trying to say. There is no correlation between what you fear happening and what your compulsion tells you that you need to do in order to make sure that thing doesn't happen. So no, your mom is not going to get sick and die if you don't clean the house 70 times over. No, your significant other is not going to, um, you know, hate you if you don't, um, clean, you know, take out the trash and whatever it is. I mean, right? Like there, there's so many variations of obsessions of, and compulsions. So 
just know that with an absolute certainty that you have the power to talk back to your OCD and know you know what the truth is. The third step is to anticipate. So the book says that this is a very important subset of relabeling. So when you tell yourself like, okay, I know that this is an obsessive thought. Here it comes. Here it comes. I can feel it. I can hear it. The voice is getting louder. You're already ahead of the fear that OCD is trying to feed you. It's basically like, think of this metaphor, like a baby sitting in a high chair and you see your parent with the spoon in their hand with food on it and they're coming at you with the food and you know, okay, well that food is going to be like shoved into my mouth. It's coming. I know it's coming. So you're, by you anticipating that, you're already ahead because you know what's coming. So this is really important subset to relabel. The fourth is to use mindful awareness. I talked a little bit about this in the first episode about this book club, but what mindful awareness is, it requires, and these are quote, quote from the book, it requires you to consciously recognize and make a mental note of the unpleasant feeling and relabel it as an OCD symptom caused by a false message from your brain. Don't worry, by the way, if this either went over your head, you might need to rewind this and listen to it again a few times. Uh, It's going to be in writing in the description, but I'll just read that again. Again, quote from the book. These are not my words. I have to keep reiterating that um, just, you know, for like whatever reasons, right? Like these are not my words. So it requires you to consciously recognize and make a mental note of the unpleasant feeling and relabel it as an OCD symptom caused by a false message from the brain. That is what mindful awareness is. The fifth is to use what the book calls the impartial spectator. So this is, again, a quote, the ability to stand outside of yourself and watch yourself in action. And this, by the way, quote is, a mental, the same mental action as the ancient Buddhist concept of mindful awareness. So fun fact. So that's what the impartial spectator is. So to use the relabeling, you're going to also be using your impartial spectator. So again, being able to really, you know, that expression, like an out of body experience. So imagine if you will, and I'm a visual, so this helps. If you envision your physical body just standing there, and you're getting all of these false messages from the brain. Take mindful aware, like become mindfully aware of what is happening, what your, what your thoughts are in that moment, what these false messages are saying, and what OCD is telling you you have to do in order to make that obsession go away. So step outside of yourself and just be conscious of what you're doing. The sixth step is another important subset of relabeling, which is acceptance. So again, accepting that these thoughts are OCD. This is probably one of the more challenging parts of the relabeling, at least in my opinion, because that word acceptance is a heavy word. It's really challenging, especially when you are suffering from OCD, to accept anything that sounds as horrible as what it is in your head. It's hard to accept things on the reg anyways, right? Like when something happens that you're not expecting, when something happens that 
you didn't want to happen. When something happens, surprisingly, whatever, right? Like, and these are all this, this part of what I'm saying are my thoughts. P.S. Um, so like when you're trying to accept something and you don't want to, it's really hard to accept that thing because your ego, like your inner self, that's like not your like true essence. Because if, if you're, well, anyway, that's a whole other topic for another day. But anyway, let's just like for the sake of time and just being, being very, very present and just sticking to this topic. When you are trying to accept something that you don't want to accept, it's hard. But what I'm learning and realizing as I am putting these steps into practice is that the first five steps, you know, keeping in mind and calling it what it really is, it's OCD, talking back to your OCD, anticipating what your OCD is telling you, using mindful awareness and using your your impartial spectator. By the time you get to a place where you've kind of gone through those steps, it is easier to accept because you've already told yourself it's OCD. I already knew this was coming and I'm going to take a look at what I'm doing and be more mindful about why I'm doing the things that I'm doing and recognizing that it's it's only because it's OCD. So the seventh step helps with acceptance, in my opinion, I think so, which is to stay busy. So it says in the book, quote, activity is your friend and boredom is your enemy, end quote. And how true is this? I was actually just talking to my colleague about this today, that when I have more on my plate, when I have more things to do at work, I am able to really be outside of myself and be mindfully aware of you know what I'm doing. And I'm actually able to stay more present in my daily task tasks and spend less time ruminating about the same question over and over and over again when I'm keeping busy. Because activity really is my friend. And when I'm bored out of my mind or when I don't have much to do at work, what happens? The OCD starts like they it's it's like OCD is its own little party. And this is my quotes, by the way. This is my my little addition to this. So it's like if OCD was, you know, like your inner betch, like, you know, like the party girl that just wants to just like hang out in your brain and like just party and wreak havoc because she's drunk and she doesn't even know what she's doing and she's throwing things around and like causing drama and texting people she shouldn't be texting. Like that's sometimes like, well, not sometimes. This is what I'm now almost associating my OCD to. I'm like giving her this identity, which is also helping me, by the way, because this is helping me with relabeling. So imagine that your OCD is like, you know, this like total diva. She's just trying to start drama. She's trying to start shit. She's, you know, talking to your friend about your other friend and trying to start drama on purpose because she's just being a betch, okay? She's being a little betch. So when you're bored, your mind is like probably quieter because you're not keeping yourself busy with other things. And this little betch in your brain is like, oh my God, it's so quiet, like time to crank up the tunes. And she just like goes over to the DJ and suggests her favorite song. And then like just the whole place erupts with like bumping music that only she 
like knows the lyrics to, right? Like only she knows the words to this song and she's just watching as everyone else is like, what the fuck is this song? Like this is making my ears bleed. I don't want to listen to this anymore. But you can't stop listening to it because she's taken over the party. She's cranked up the music and now this music is blaring and you're just like, oh my God. So I'm actually like really proud. That was a really (laughs) awesome analogy. So I'm just giving myself a little pat on the back. Um, I hope you liked that too. So this again, like it just really goes to show that when you do stay busy, um, it does help you in this relabeling stage. So the last step, step eight, is to keep track of your progress. The book says this quote, as you forget your symptoms, you know, basically on the road to recovery, you may also forget about your progress. And someone mentioned, um, and this is not a direct quote, but this is still from the book. Someone who was in the therapy who was going through these steps basically said, you know, that's like walking on the beach or in the sand. um, And as you're walking, you're turning around and erasing your footsteps. So you have no way to track what your progress is, where your stress is peaking, where the stress is less. So it's really great to have a journal and to just keep track of, you know, how you're feeling, what your thoughts are. And again, this goes back to the impartial spectator, like being able to really stand outside yourself and watch yourself in action. So just keep those things in mind. And so as we're coming to a close, there's a couple of other things that I want to just share with you that resonated with me in this chapter that are just important to remember. So when you relabel automatically, it becomes a ritual in itself and no longer holds meaning. And that is also a quote from the book. So remember to use mindful awareness because that, and I'm, you know, this may or may not have occurred to you as you were listening to me sharing this, but you know, if you start relabeling automatically, then it almost becomes a compulsion to an obsession because anytime something is done automatically like that, it's, it's going to be more like robotic. There might not be, as it says, like it doesn't have much meaning anymore because then you're no longer taking a step back to really assess, like, you know, going through those steps, like, okay, well, why am I thinking these thoughts? Okay. It's OCD. Okay. Now how can I talk back to OCD? Oh, right. I can say this to it. Um, you know, there's no way to like anticipate or accept, like all of those steps basically become null and void when you are relabeling automatically. So try to make a conscious effort. And I emphasize that word conscious, like try to make a conscious effort to relabel by going through these steps, because you're going to just gain more awareness, which will help you in your recovery as you are like starting with this first step. And the second thing is that, again, this is a quote from the book, the key to success is strengthening your impartial spectator. So again, your impartial spectator is your ability to stand outside of yourself and observe your actions with mindful awareness. So those are the two important key factors to remember during this step. So I hope that this was helpful. I actually really loved going through it again because even though I read this chapter like I don't know maybe 4 days ago or 5 days ago it's it was actually really helpful for me to just consolidate the entire chapter and put it in these steps like this is again how my brain works like this 
ability to compile everything and put them into steps and then have it in writing, now I feel like I'll, I'll also be able to go through these steps much more um, effectively moving forward. So remember, if you were trying to take notes and it, you know, I was going too fast for you or you just wanted to kind of go through this again, fear not. I thought about you. I had you in mind as I was doing this. And that is why I put this all in writing for you. So check out the description um, of this podcast. And I'm going to share this again. I shared this in the first message. If you are interested in this book, the link is going to be in the description as well. It's called Brain Lock, Free Yourself from Obsessive Compulsive Behavior by Jeffrey M. Schwartz. Um, the four-step self-treatment method to change your brain chemistry. And also be sure to send me a DM at foundfamilypod on Twitter if you're interested in joining our book club. We have discussions every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern time for just like an hour, an hour and a half, just to go over these chapters, share what's working for us and what's not working for us. And it's great to, you know, have someone who's going through similar things, um, that you can relate to and talk to about this. And um, yeah, we're all just kind of learning from each other and it's been really great so far. And uh, I'm excited to, to keep talking about these chapters. All right, guys, sending you much love. Remember, you have the power. Hashtag I am not my thoughts. Hashtag I am stronger than my thoughts. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and tune in next week for a new topic. To help spread the good vibes, please share this episode with friends and family, or if you share on social, be sure to tag me at Coach Lizzie.